What's going on, everyone? Welcome to back to the All Pro Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Mark Hogan here, your host. We will be having Derek Randall join us here at some point tonight. Excited to dive into the Week Six slate. Had a fun, yes, kind of fun Thursday night football game. Looking forward to an excellent slate here for this weekend. Let me go ahead and cut the music. <clears throat> All right. Cool. So we've got a jam-packed here show that I want to get a lot of information in here for y'all to help you make the best possible decisions in your lineups. Any kind of DFS plays. I think we're going to probably talk about that fairly, uh, I would say a good amount, but also we'll do, of course, our betting, our picks, our spreads. We're going to go through the injury report, player props, and talk through uh, a little bit of maybe strategy here as well. So uh, that'll be our plan for today. I do believe, I think we have Derek on here now. Derek, are you there? Hey, how's it going, Mark? Pretty good, pretty good. How's your Friday night going? Oh, it's it's been wacky. I'll tell you that. Um, full transparency, man. I I passed out on my couch at like eight thirty p.m. It's super embarrassing. Ah, but okay. uh, <laughs> it's it's been one of those weeks, you know, where it's been chaos nonstop, and then you sit down for two seconds and uh, and you're you're gone. So, uh, but I'm here now, and I'm excited to talk some football. So it's Friday, October 13th, and you're passing out on the couch at 8.30 p.m. I know, right? Pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went out. Uh, we did a kind of like a haunted mansion walkthrough, uh, took the kids out, did that. So it's been a, a nice full work day earlier. So nice, nice jam-packed Friday here. You did that this evening before the show here. Yep. All right. That's uh, <laughs> props to you. We have had opposite evenings. Yes, sir. It's Friday the 13th, <laughs> man. You got to do something Halloween related. Oh, my God. I didn't even realize it's the 13th. Okay. Yep, it is. Um, but so we got we got a nice little lineup here. Uh, should be a fun, fun weekend. Uh, do you want to just recap a little bit from, from last week, week here to get started? Let me pull up my spreadsheet here real quick it was pretty underwhelming week this was my second uh i would say consensus or general loss of the season uh so out of the first five weeks pretty much have gone three and two here uh as far as wins and losses uh type of weeks we didn't have anything recorded here for you derek uh from week five uh but I'm sure you had some bets and stuff out there. Maybe we'll recap any of those if anything existed. Uh, But I did want to highlight just overall results here. We had went six of 13 on both uh, my, I did on both my uh, totals uh, over unders along with spreads. So under 50% this week. uh, So 46%. That's a loss, but on the season, we are still at a winning percentage here. 
And uh, this this week hurt a little bit, though. So it definitely brought me down um, a little bit closer towards that 50 percent range. I'm at, you know, rounding up 54 percent here. So, uh, you know, certainly not a great week as far as over unders picks on the spread. Um, I was close in DFS, too, man. I pivoted. I came off of Jamar Chase uh, right before lock. And that that's really what hurt me. Um, I had a Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow lineup, and I moved off of it. So uh, kicking myself for that one, but definitely know that there's better days to come, and it is coming because typically, at least for me, I start off pretty slow at the beginning of the season. Once we get to mid and late season, that's where I really start crushing because we have a lot more data and a lot more information for us to work off of. So. That's kind of where I stand. How did you uh, think you did, Derek, this week? It, you know, this week I ended up about six units up, maybe seven going into Monday Night Football. And Monday Night Football, I missed every single bet. And I went pretty heavy on it. Um, And, you know, so I, I almost gave it all back. I, I about went even, but then I go into Thursday night last night and it happened again. I, it was zero hits and it has left me very deflated at the moment, which I feel like a lot of people are in that boat because, you know, we're all in this guru train together. We all are betting a lot of the same things and it has been a terrible last two games. Last week as a whole was very good, but the last two games have been pretty bad. Um, and I've noticed too, that I am missing more than I'm hitting, but I'm up units on the year because of how many parlays I'm hitting, which that's not a place I really want to be in. I want to be winning more. You know what I mean? Like a parlay is not a good way to survive. I don't know. I don't, I don't know though. I mean, I see, I have, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter recently make a case that, it is more profitable over time to always bet the larger parlays because of the return when you actually hit them is greater than the amount of investment that you would put in for the number of ones that they are submitting and their hit rate. So I've seen it go both ways, which, you know, I think over time I've been trained to think, you know, the smaller bets are indeed, you know, going to be the most consistent and the most, profitable over time but i don't know i've seen a lot of people make a case for the otherwise and it's definitely i try to be open to it right i don't know if i fully agree with that um but it's coming from reputable people in the industry so yeah and i've certainly seen the evidence for that you know like uh I haven't, I've noticed I've not been betting these normal player prop lines, unless it's Adam Thielen. Then we've, we've gone heavy on Adam Thielen like three weeks in a row. It's straight up odds, but um, I, yeah, it's like hitting these plus 400 parlays being the thing that puts you in the, in the positive in the green for the week is uh, it, I guess it makes you sweat more. It might, what you're saying, it, it does make sense because for every one hit of those, you can miss four other bets, but uh, it just makes you sweat a lot, I guess. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, let's go ahead and we're going to, I don't know, I don't, do we really need to talk about the Thursday night football game? Because I think it just it's another confirmation that the Broncos are bad. Russell Wilson is cooked. 
Uh, and the Chiefs are still looking for that. Although Rasheed Rice, he did pop out. That's probably the one I think notable to take away from that game. So, yes, Rasheed Rice it definitely looks to be transcending on that wide receiver depth, but the question is how much production will actually come with that. And I don't, for one, at the moment, see a lot. I My, my biggest takeaway, I think, is that this is the first time I've truly felt that the Broncos are trash. Like some of these other games, I've been like, yeah, this defense is bad, but this offense is pretty good. Russell doesn't look terrible. He's not, you know, above average. This is the first game where I watched it and and just thought from beginning to end, Russell Wilson is downright awful. I mean, wow, that was horrible to watch. The amount of passing yards he ended up with. I don't even know if he got over 100 by the end of it, which is terrible. I don't think he did. Um, I don't think he did. I think he ended at like 90, um, which, you know, personally, I have a lot of conspiracy theories about that because I, I don't know about you. Well, you probably can't see this because of where you're located. Uh, like across three different sports books, the prop that was the quote unquote super boost that three major sort sports books were propping up, you know, yelling at people to grab was Russell Wilson over 200 yards. And that, yeah. that seemed like an absolute layup. Give me, I don't know, day. man. And when it seems that easy, I didn't, I, that's, I intentionally tried to avoid that one because everyone was saying it. Well, and I think that's what plays in to my point here you know what i mean it is it's like you look at all the numbers behind it you look at the evaluation you're like this is easy you got to play it and and what we're our minds are slowly trained to do is when we see a sports book tell us to bet that to avoid it which just in my mind is is giving me can you tell i'm scrambled <laughs> like i'm i just have a lot of conspiracy theories about what these sports books know that the public eye will never know and maybe that goes back to why we no longer have accurate beat writers and accurate reports. Maybe they're all hired on by the sports books to give the true information there, because there's a lot of things I've been seeing over the past couple of years and specifically the past couple of weeks that are giving me a lot of pause into how much influence betting is going to have on NFL games. It is concerning. I feel like. Well, I'll leave you to your conspiracy theories. I just think that they know what the heck they're doing and I'm sure you could find you know, now that we have the results, you could always go back and rehash and find data that could support the whatever outcome occurred. So um, I'll leave it at that. Let's go ahead and dive into the injury report for the sake of time. So I'm going to dive into this uh, London games uh, on Sunday. So the first game, it's the Ravens against the Titans. I don't know what's going on with the Ravens offense, but uh, on the Titans side, we have Traylon Burks. He's going to be out linebacker Luke Gifford and defensive back Elijah Molding. Uh, those are all three considerable losses. And then on the Ravens side, uh, we've got Keaton Mitchell. He's listed as questionable and out is Odafe away. And I think he's actually been pretty been playing pretty. He's been pretty decent recently. Um but nothing too crazy on the Ravens side. We'll talk about them a little bit. Uh, as far as the next game goes, we got the Commanders and the Falcons. On the Commanders side, Christian Holmes, he is out at cornerback. On the uh, Falcons side, we have a clean bill of health. Vikings versus the Bears. Pretty clean on the Vikings side. The Bears, however, have 
running back Khalil Herbert, running back Travis Homer, running back Roshan Johnson, all out. So by default, we've got Deontay Foreman as a nice value. Uh, defensive back Terrell Smith and wide receiver Equinamius St. Brown also will both be out. On the Seahawks side, in the Seahawks versus the Bengals, we have uh, Kobe Bryant and Artie Burns. Uh, both of them. What am I looking at here? Is this? Wait a second. No, we're good. Okay. Uh, sorry, I was looking at something else here, and I thought it was the wrong matchup. Uh, Kobe Bryant and Artie Burns, they're both going to be out for the Seahawks. On the Bengals' side, we've got linebacker Akeem Davis-Gaither. Uh, he is out. Chidobi Awuzie and T. Higgins are both questionable. I don't know if T. Higgins is playing. Uh, 49ers and the Browns. The big one here is Deshaun Watson, but we've also got guard Joel Batonia. No Cedric Tillman. Uh, so Browns are really, uh, really, really banged up here against the 49ers. Uh, 49ers, Dre Greenlaw, linebacker. He is questionable along with Elijah Mitchell. Uh, next game, we've got the Saints and the Texans. Uh, Juwan Johnson, he is out. Safety, <clears throat> Lonnie Johnson Jr., he is out. Pullback, Adam Prentice. Uh, safety, JT Gray. And offensive tackle, Landon Young. Nothing too crazy there, just a little bit of shakeup at tight end. I guess Lonnie Johnson a little bit. Not really, though. Uh, Tank Delly's questionable. I don't think he's going to play. <coughs> Excuse me. Robert Woods, he is questionable. And linebacker Christian Harris for the Texans. Colts and the Jaguars. We've got on the Jaguars' side, Zay Jones. He is out. I think that's, I would say personally, that seems like the only notable injury there. We got the Panthers and the Dolphins. No Miles Sanders, no Von Bell, uh, no Xavier Woods at safety. Uh, guard Chandler Zavala, he is out. And tight end Giovanni Ricci, uh, he is out as well. It's not a big one. Uh, so Miles Sanders, obviously, Chuba Hubbard, he's going to take his place, and Panthers are going to be depleted at safety. So, you know, man, it's looking like a game here for Tyreek Hill. On the Dolphins' side, we've got offensive lineman Connor Williams. He is out. Patriots and the Raiders. For the Patriots, defensive back Cody Davis out. Demario Douglas, wide receiver, out. Matthew Judon, linebacker, out. Offensive lineman, Riley Reef, wide receiver, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, guard, Cole Strange, offensive lineman, Tyrone Wheatley Jr., all out for the Patriots. So the Patriots are heavily depleted on the offensive line. They are missing offensive weapons. Uh, they are missing their star linebacker. Uh, man, they this does not look good. And then for the uh, the Raiders, uh, we have offensive tackle Justin Heron uh, and cornerback Nate Hobbs. Uh, they are both going to be out. I feel like Max Crosby is going to have a, just another big game here in this one. Uh, the, the Lions and the Bucks defensive back Brian Branch, he is still going to be out. Jameer Gibbs he is out for this game. Guard, Jonah Jackson, running back, Sonovan Knight, tight end, James Mitchell, cornerback, Emmanuel Mosley still, 
uh, defensive lineman Josh Paschal, uh, and then uh, questionable tight end Sam Laporta with that pop craft uh, injury that just cropped up, and cornerback Khalil Dorsey. Uh, so Lions are pretty banged up here, and no Jameer Gibbs. On the Bucks side, we just have linebacker Shaquille Barrett. He is questionable. Remember the Bucks? I think, yeah, they're coming off of a bye week here against a, a banged-up Lions team. Uh, we've got the Cardinals and the Rams. Safety Jalen Thompson is out. And then on the Rams side, well, we've got a whole lot of questionable players here for the Cardinals. Marquise Brown, uh, tight end Elijah Higgins, offensive lineman Dennis Daly, defensive lineman Jonathan Ledbetter, linebacker Jesse Lukita. Linebacker, Nigel Sanders. Linebacker, Josh Woods. He's a bigger name. And then cornerback, Garrett Williams. The Rams side, we're pretty uh, we're doing pretty decent here. Offensive guard, Joe Noteboon. Defensive tackle, Laryl Murchison. And linebacker, Ernest Jones, are all just questionable. So, got to keep an eye on that one for the Cardinals, I would say, to get a better feel for that game. The Eagles and the Jets. Uh, Eagles are going to be without defensive tackle Jalen Carter, so that's a big one. Safety Justin Evans, cornerback Darius Slay, and wide receiver Quez Watkins. So certainly some notable names there for the Eagles. Uh, Eagles have actually been getting passed on pretty um, pretty decently uh, over the course of the season so far. Uh, on the Jets' side, cornerback uh, Brandon Eccles, cornerback Justin Hardy, and quarterback DJ Reed. Uh, they are all out, so Jets secondary could be a little thin here. Uh, Sauce is actually questionable as well, so got to keep an eye on his status. And then for the Giants, big one here is, of course, Daniel Jones. He is listed as out, so we're going to see Tyrod Taylor. Linebacker Aziz Ojolari, offensive lineman Matt Pertz, uh, John Michael Schmitz, and offensive lineman Andrew Thomas. They are all out for the Giants. Andrew Thomas being still out is a big one. Running back Saquon Barkley, he is questionable, and it sounds like he is expected to play. Uh, Got to keep an eye on Darren Waller because he is questionable, of course. And uh, on the Bills side of things, we have Dalton Kincaid at tight end. He is questionable coming off of a concussion. Cowboys in the Chargers. We don't, I don't think we have a whole lot of information for that one here. And that's about it. All right. So that was a long list here. Initial thoughts going through that list anything that popped out to you the big one that has stuck out to me this evening is uh it it may not seem big but zay flowers being out um outside receiver against indianapolis um has had a lot of success early in the season so uh let's go back he is out one when calvin ridley absolutely torched them and everybody immediately was like oh zay jones you mean right what did i say uh, Zay Flowers. Oh, yep. Zay Jones. Thank you. Yeah, Zay Jones. Um, so, yeah, that, that really leaves Christian Kirk on the inside. And then we got Calvin Ridley on the outside there. I think he's going to torch Indianapolis again. Yeah, I could see it being a Ridley game. I was looking at uh, DFS ownership earlier, and 
Christian Kirk is going to be high owned because his price is lower, but I could absolutely see it being a Ridley game here. I think people are going to go for Kirk for quite a few weeks because of how consistent he is maybe. And because he's had multiple blow up weeks in a row and he's had those, you know, those double digit catch games, whereas Ridley has been kind of inconsistent, but what people can't see from the, just a player profile is how many end zone targets Calvin Ridley's had and how many, you know, have gotten broken up that he hasn't come down with. I mean, this guy could have five touchdowns already. It's it's only a matter of time before he starts connecting for touchdowns on a weekly basis. I agree. I agree. I think, well, it's recency bias too. Everyone's going after the guy that just just hit. Um and and that the way the NFL coaches think is they'll go into a new week with a totally new game plan. And you know, they also have factor in what opponents are looking at when they're evaluating their tape. So you know, they're probably thinking, okay, the, you know, our opponent, they're going to lock in on, on Kirk here. Right. So let's start designing some more plays for Ridley to throw him off and give him something that they don't have as much tape on here. So it's exactly how coaches think here too. Yeah. And uh, that game as a whole, it's going to be very fun to watch with Indianapolis losing Richardson as a Colts fan. I kind of think it might be a good thing for them this year. Just and this is not long-term. This is just this year. Gardner Minshew has brought out the best of this team. He can actually utilize these receivers from a fancy perspective. This is, this is what we needed for Michael Pittman. Otherwise he was going to fade into the background. So this is good for Michael Pittman owners. Yeah. I think I heard on the radio earlier. It's like Pittman has drawn 23 targets or something like that from Gardner, Gardner Minshew this season. Like, like out of like, uh, I mean, obviously he's came in, filled in for what, a game and a half? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, I mean, at this point, it's probably an accumulative of two games, you know, because what Richardson got hurt in two games midway. It's just, it's kind of like depressing to watch what happens to Pittman when Richardson plays, not to utilize his best receiver at all and just run the entire game. It's, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it, but uh, Minshew, Minshew knows how to use his top guy. So let's go ahead and just dive right into that game here for our next segment segment of picking the our games and the spreads here and the totals. Uh, so the Colts and the Jaguars, it is a 44-point total. We've got the Jags as minus four-point favorites. Um, both defenses haven't been good. Uh, especially both secondaries. I mean, I feel like this is a low key shootout. Like you, I mean, we were just talking about it, but Gardner Minshew could come to play a revenge game against his old team. Um, I think he can find a guy like Michael Pittman down the field a little bit easier than Anthony Richardson, at least at this point in his career. So I, this is a tough one, but, and they've got Jonathan Taylor back too. Uh, this is this is tough. I think that the Jags finally started seeing it clicking a little bit here. Um, so I'm going to take the Jags minus four, and then uh, I am definitely going to take the over in this game. I'll go over that 44 point total. If there's any player that will feed into the playing their former team narrative, I think it's going to be Gardner Minshew. Um, 
100%. he just seems to have that type of personality. Um, I agree with you on taking the Jaguars as much as the Colts have surprised me this year and excited me from a fan's perspective. I don't see them winning this game. Um, even though I do have a good bit of faith in Gardner Minshew in terms of where he can take this team, I don't see this being a win for them, especially on the road in Jacksonville after we saw Jacksonville just beat the bills. Um, and really that game against the bills was never close. So I would take Jacksonville minus the four here. As far as the over-under is concerned, I think it's really close because we see two teams that have been pretty good on the stopping the run. So that should force, theoretically, should force the pass for each team. Um, the question is, will they lean into that? You know what I mean? Or, or will they just fall into continuing to try to run the ball and then a bunch of three and outs? Um, I'd like to think that each of these teams are smart enough to throw the ball. So I'm, I would go over 44 on this as well. All right, so that that's an interesting game. Uh, let's go into the next one here. We'll start at the top. We'll go back to the London game, Ravens and the Titans. Uh, the Ravens are minus four and a half point favorites. The over under is 42. I don't think that the Ravens are. I don't know. I just their offense is very inept. Uh, I think we've talked about it already. Lamar cannot throw the ball down the field. I think that was pretty apparent last week as well. Uh, and so Titans, I think they're running the ball pretty effectively. Tajay Spears is, is a great change of pace back. He's a different style back than Derrick Henry. So I think that is helping out this offense. DeAndre Hopkins is participating here. Give me the Titans plus four and a half. Uh, and I'm going to take the under in this game on the 42 point total. I just 1, think that both percent. offenses are – yeah, I think that both are going to look to run it, play the ground game, control game. This is going to be a kind of an old-school old school, old school uh, matchup. This is going to be an ugly game that a lot of people turn off. I mean, this is this is the perfect game to have um, at either as the London game or a Thursday night football game so that people can watch it for five minutes and be like, okay, so this is how this is going to be. And then they can make that choice if they want to stick it out or if they just want to go back to doing – what they normally do on Sunday mornings before the NFL really starts. I think it's going to be a, a grueling matchup where it's just a shitload of three and outs and it's, it's going to end ugly. It's going to be like a 1916 win. it's going to be something disgusting, but I, I think the Titans are going to come out on top here. Perfect. So you, we agree both Titans plus four and a half and both uh, under on the 42 point spread. Yep. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the 49ers and the Browns. I think um, for me, the 49ers are minus 10-point favorites. I'll take it. They're playing really, really well. Um, I think if there's any team that can neutralize uh, this pass rush in the Cleveland defense, it's the 49ers, uh, just given the type of system that they have in place. Their defense is really good, and they the Browns don't have a quarterback. So... I'll take the 49ers. I'll take it even with the minus 10. And I'm going to take the over on the point spread. I think the 49ers could put up like maybe over 36 and a half points alone in this game. So um, I'll take over on the 36 and a half point spread as well. It's funny you mentioned that because that's literally what I wanted to lead with is with the over under. The question is, can San Fran put up 37 points? Because <laughs> I, I see 
a very realistic possibility that Cleveland doesn't score a touchdown. I mean, I honestly don't think they will. Um, this is an elite defense that they're up against. And we saw how bad they were the last time they didn't have Deshaun Watson. Um, I, I honestly, I got to leave the under here just because Cleveland does have a competent defense, like competent enough to keep the Niners, you know, from scoring 35 points. I don't know, but I don't see them reaching 37. And I'm, my gut says Cleveland doesn't score at all, um, which then throw me at the San Fran minus 10. I mean, I, I might even play an alt line of San Fran minus 20 something points just to float a, you know what I mean? Like a high odds out there because I legitimately think it could happen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a good shot at that too. So I, I think that's a, that's a, uh, interesting or creative idea. Um, I just think that the 49ers offense is clicking way too much to not put up that many points alone. If Cleveland's offense is basically going to get shut out. So that's, that's really just where I stand with it. That uh, offense is so impressive. I mean, they've got, it, it seems like it's a different weapon every week that's firing on all cylinders and Brock Purdy is just making use of everybody. And it's, it's incredibly impressive to, to watch it happen. He's got longevity, man. He's going to be in this league for a long time. Long time. Yeah. Who who thought we'd ever say that about an Iowa State quarterback? <laughs> there you go. Uh, Panthers and Dolphins. This is another ugly one. I've got the Dolphins minus 14. I'm just going to do it. Panthers are missing a safety. Um, man, Tyreek Hill is going to be chalky this week, and I might have to play him because – He's just it's the way this is lining up is is exactly the type of game that Tyreek Hill just completely goes off, and it you don't even have to, you know I think a lot of people are like well the hesitancy hesitancy Jesus Christ of trying to keep that game competitive would limit Hill if he doesn't initially do well. Well, guess what? They're the way that the Panthers play defense. And you combine that with the fact that they do not have a safety to cover over the top uh, in a frequent cover two scheme. Uh, that is death written all over you when you have Tyreek Hill on the other side of the ball. So uh, give me Tyreek Hill in this game on whatever prop you want to throw out there. And Dolphins minus 14. I'm also going to I'm going to take the over on 47 and a half points. And I wouldn't be surprised if the if the Dolphins got 40 of those. Absolutely. And and I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, this is this is hilarious because every week we do this, your kind of MO is don't take a point like a, t- a favorite minus double digits, and we're taking two in a row. It's, it's just there are some seriously uneven matchups this week. And I'm I'm all all the way in. Miami minus 14, even though they just lost A-Chain, um, it's not going to phase them. This is the perfect week for them to experiment what it's like, life after A-Chain, because they get a completely cake matchup against the Carolina Panthers, who, I mean, their record says they're the worst team in the NFL. I think we all thought Arizona would be, but I, I think it's Carolina, and I don't think it's close. Um, which I, I'm curious, you probably agree with that, don't you? As far as being the worst team in the league? In the entire NFL, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I, yeah. the only, the only, I think thing I would say about them is that I could see them turning it around a little bit more than some other teams that are comparable to them right now, um, towards the back end of the year. So like, do I think the Panthers have a better chance of turning it around than the Broncos? Yes. Yes, I do. Because the Broncos have a perpetual issue with Russell Wilson, Wilson, and I don't know how they're going to get out of it. Um, yeah, with all the trade rumors, the Broncos are only going to get worse. Yeah. So, although I don't even know if the problem is like I don't even know if they're going to be able to trade Jerry Judy, for example, uh, after some of the recent events here with him and how last night went. So. And that could be even worse, right? As all those guys stick around and it's just a completely toxic environment. Um, so I I don't I can't say that they're the worst team in the NFL because I don't think that they're gonna finish last when it's all said and done. I think what shocked me so much about them that has me like stunned that they've been so bad is that their defense still hasn't shown up to like the start of the NFL season. Like their defense is kind of what they were they've been good at for years is is keeping keeping them their offense in games no matter how bad their offense is. And this year it's their defense isn't there at all. And their offense also isn't there. So it's but like they're but the the players, uh the defense that they do have, they do have good players. They have so pieces. I think that it's I think it's yeah, I I by no means think that their defense is perfect. Um, but I think there's enough talent there where, you know, again, if you start to see some momentum on the offensive side of the ball, I think that can trickle over on the defensive side and guys kind of regress to the mean a little bit and play back up to their level of talent. So, again, I just think it's a candidate for a team that could come on strong in the back half of the year and catch some people, especially in DFS when they start doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So sorry for the tangent here, but. Uh, yes, Miami minus 14 all the way. And I agree over 47 and a half. I have questions whether Carolina can score enough to do this. Um, but I do think they manage 10 points. And I don't think Miami struggles to put up 40. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be close like to 40 for Miami alone. Uh, moving on to the Seahawks and the Bengals. That is a 44 and a half point total with the Bengals minus three point favorites. Uh, Seahawks are coming off of a bye. Uh, Bengals are not, but coming off of certainly a game to hang their hats on and build some momentum off of it. First time we saw Joe Burrow look like him nor- his normal self. He's getting healthier. Jamar Chase coming out, having a great game. Matches up now against a Seattle defense that certainly can give up some yards. However, I personally think it has been playing um, they're they're improving each and every single game. Devon Witherspoon is a force to be reckoned with, and he can completely change uh, or disrupt a game. So the Seahawks defense, I think, is scrappier than people think. We haven't seen the Bengals, you know, for the majority of the season, we've seen struggles. Uh, so recency bias, I think everyone's just going to go after the Bengals and say they're completely back. I think the Seahawks could actually really make this interesting and keep that that offense at bay. So I'm going to take the under on 44 and a half points. And I do think that they just have fresh legs. Like they might be able to run the ball very effectively against Cincinnati. Uh, so I'm also going to take the Seahawks at plus three. 
uh, with this running game, you know, I think Kenneth Walker is going to do well. But I think coming off of the bye week, we're also going to see a, an increased workload for Zach Charbonnet. So uh, Seahawks plus three and under on the 44 and a half point total. This is a really tough one for me um, because my heart says Cincinnati minus three. Uh, on paper, I truly feel they're the better team. Um, but from what we've seen from a performance, you know, so so far this year, they haven't. They haven't been great. But then on the other hand, Seattle's only got one loss. And I look at them, I'm like, that this isn't a one-loss team. Like, this is not a good team. In my opinion, Seattle's not a great team. Um, and neither that neither offense has really been stellar. Seattle's put up a, a good chunk of points in a couple games, but there's been some where they've kind of been slow out of the gate. Uh, and Cincinnati has been completely reliant on Joe Burrow. But with us talking earlier about T. Higgins, possibly not playing. And I also agree with you, Eileen, which I think you said earlier, Eileen T Higgins, not playing, um, which if that's the case, then I think I, I you got to stick with under 44 and a half here. Um, and, and I think the smart move is Seattle plus three. I mean, I could, I could easily see this being a push. I could see Cincinnati winning on a field goal, but I don't really see them blowing them out. So Cincinnati minus three. Seattle plus three. Sorry. Why did I think you just saw it said you could see Cincinnati winning, winning this out, like squeezing it out by a field goal. Exactly. So then we'd have a push. Yeah. What I'm saying is I I see a situation where so far this year, Seattle, in my opinion, has looked better than Cincinnati, but I'm not sure that that's actually true, you know, with the current state of the teams. I could see a scenario where Cincinnati kicks a field goal and wins it, which in that case would have a push, but I do. I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm all jumbled now, but um, I'm going Seattle plus three. I'm going to go under 44 and a half. Okay. So we agree. We agree. And this next one here, um, I'm curious your take on this Minnesota and Chicago. Well, I, I think, I think- this is the most important game in seasonal fantasy and people aren't exactly realizing it because I'm I, as a Justin Jefferson owner, I am extremely concerned that if Minnesota loses this game, it's over for Jefferson. And like I get, there's been talk. We, we really have no idea of the timetable for his return, but if they lose to Chicago, I, I don't really see a scenario in which they bring him back this year. Because I, I at that point, I think their season's basically over. As a Minnesota fan, what's your thought on that? Well, I think it's been over from the start as a Minnesota fan. Uh, but I I just <laughs> think that positivity you have, there. Yeah, I for me it's Kirk Cousins is good, but he's never gonna get you completely there. So because like there's just some games and it always comes up at some point along the way where he's just out of it, man. Like, and he's not making adjustments and he's just like in the twilight zone. So I, uh, I think they're going to, here's the funny thing though. I think they do win this game. I think that Chicago's run defense is not good. Uh, Minnesota has had time now to work with cam Akers. 
And so I think we see Cam Akers in this game and probably has a good game, in my opinion. Uh, they've been starving for Alexander Madison to do well, and he hasn't. So, you know, now that he's been there for a few weeks, he's been acclimated to the playbook. I think they take the training wheels off with him. Uh, and they just probably feature both of them and utilize the middle of the field with TJ Hawkinson. So I think that Jordan Addison probably, I don't think he's ready for that, like kind of wide receiver one assignment. So I don't think we're seeing much out of him, but I think that's where this, this game goes. And they, they try to keep this bears offense off the field, especially with the explosion of DJ Moore last week. Uh, they're probably terrified of that because I don't think they can guard him either. Uh, so, but I think the Vikings find a way to pull this game out on the road uh, of all games. So I'll take the Vikings minus three. And uh, I am going to take the under on this game. I think the Bears offense goes back to struggling a little bit here. So uh, give me the under on the 43 point total. Yeah. And, and I would, so I hear you that their season's been over from the beginning, which it, I it kind of has been because of, you know, multiple things. One, they're there. Yeah. Have one win on the season and two, because the Lions have been so good. Um, but let's, let's be real and look at their schedule here. They lost to the bucks by three, which the bucks, I, I don't think they're for real. I'll put that out there, but they haven't been as bad as we expected. Then they play the Eagles, the chargers, the Panthers was their one win and the chiefs. I mean, that, that is a buzzsaw to begin the year. Um, so now they get the Bears. This is something, if you can't tell, I've looked at extensively as a Justin Jefferson owner and somebody who's been offered Justin Jefferson in trades and have been contemplating this very seriously. Um, just because I feel like he's going to be out at least five weeks. That's my personal opinion. I really see it being six. And then the team evaluating whether, whether or not to bring it him makes back sense. at all. Yeah. 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 So I've looked at their schedule and they have the bears, then the Niners, then the Packers, then the Falcons, then the saints, and then the Broncos. I believe that's six. Uh, yes, it is. Of those games, theoretically, I, I see them winning three of them, maybe even four. And I think for Jefferson to have a shot at returning this season, I think they need to win at least three of those. Um, and I think it begins this week. I, I do think they're the better team. I don't really see there being any question that they're better than the Bears. Um, not having Justin Jefferson is, is not good. But let's also be real. The Bears have one running back. It's Deonta Foreman, who I think was third, third on the depth chart, maybe fourth. So uh, that's going to hurt their run game a lot. And really, all the Vikings need to do, Washington didn't do it, so I guess it's not a given. Just double cover DJ Moore. I mean – Please just don't let the guy run the, the same route every single time and you put a terrible corner on him and watch him get beat every single play. <laughs> Emmanuel Forbes. Um, it, yeah. It's not that hard. It's really not. Because if you look at what how they succeeded last week being the, the Bears, they just target DJ Moore every single play. They never went anywhere else. So adjust. <laughs> just adjust. Um, so with that being said, I do think we see Minnesota minus three three is the, the right play here. And I actually seen over, I, I do think both teams score. Um, I, I could yeah. see this being a slug fest, honestly. And I do think we could see defensive scores as well. I mean, this, this could be a, one of those games where we watched Kirk cousins fumble it and the other team pick it up and run it back. Um, 
I, I just don't yeah. see it, man. It's a one o'clock game. Like this isn't a prime time game. Kirk Cousins will probably be productive, and <laughs> I don't know. I I uh, the Chicago Bears run defense is the third worst run defense in the league right now. They've already given up close to twenty one hundred rushing yards. Um, actually, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm reading that off of last year. I'm like, what? How did they already give up 2,100 rushing yards? <laughs> oh, given my entire God. Season's worth of yards in, in five, five weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no way. So they're a terrible I mean, last yeah. year. It, it's, safe, it's safe to say that they continue to be terrible this year. It's kind of yeah. funny because they're a defense that you can run or pass on with ease. Uh, I, I don't... <laughs> I actually believe it or not, they've they've uh, not given up a whole lot of rushing yards, but given a lot up on a lot a lot of rushing touchdowns. So they've given up four rushing touchdowns already, um, but only <laughs> only like three hundred ninety something yards here, three hundred ninety four yards. And I think it's because people are exploiting how just how terribly weak they are in the secondary. I mean, yeah. I'm curious what the yards per carry is against them. Just because they they've been so freaking beatable through the air, that teams have just gone to that every single time. Yeah, I mean, one hundred and fifty or what is it? Let's see. Oh, I lost it here now. What did I do? One hundred and seven carries for three hundred ninety four yards. About three point eight yards a carry or something like that. That's really not a lot. I mean, that's no, it's not. It's actually surprisingly, it's surprisingly uh, good. better than I thought. Oof! Now this is making it a little bit tougher. I just think the Vikings' offensive line is still better, though. Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with the Vikings. You've got me. It's going gonna be closer. This. Uh, so let's let, take a look at how. This is why I think it's gonna be an under, man. I just think it's gonna be like a fuck, you know, stalemate. Basically, it's gonna be like the Ravens Steelers last week. Yeah, I mean, I I could see that, but I don't know. I I lean over here. Just two two bad secondaries. Just to me, screams points. And you go back to and and look at who the Bears have played, and it kind of explains why the rushing toes have been the way they are. They played the Bucks, who lean on the pass. The Chiefs never want to run the ball unless it's against the Broncos, apparently. Um, they played the Broncos, and they were way up on the Broncos, so they were forced to pass. And then they played the Commanders, who they were way up on the entire game, so they just abandoned the run. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, the Packers, I think, were the only team to really run against them. Yeah, I gotta. I think I'm gonna have to really dive deep into this game because this can, seems like it might be a polarizing game as far as what side of these odds and the spread and everything that everyone's on on here. Which means it's probably a great opportunity in DFS to find something that's different in this game. So I gotta look further into this one. Uh, I'm not sold on it either way. Well, I'm gonna stick with the over and Minnesota minus three here. I'll tell you what, next up, we got commanders at the Falcons, and you know where I'm going, anywhere the commanders aren't. Going with the Falcons? Yeah, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Falcons are coming off of a bye week, right? Or is that the command? Who's coming off of a bye week? 
neither. It feels like the commanders are because they had that Thursday night football game that uh, they got just bludgeoned by the Bears. Yes. Yes. Yep. And then the Falcons, uh, they had that nail biter last week where they won it on a field goal against Houston. I the Falcons, uh, I don't yeah, this this is over under set at 42. This is the easiest under I think I've seen this week. Um this is two teams who are going to try their best to run the ball. And the Falcons are play at the slowest pace in the NFL. And <laughs> it seems like they really their goal is to limit time of possession for the opponent and just get the I game over with. On player stats. If I get them right, yeah, I'm sorry be. about that. Yeah, like what? I got you. Throw oh, some stuff out here. <laughs> but yeah, with, with with that being said, I mean I, I lean Atlanta minus two and a half. Sorry about that. Oh, um, and if you pick six right, yeah, I I would one hundred percent agree with Jeff as well. No because oh, but it does. I agree. Right now, price is matching. Do a heavy dose of Brian Robinson. Falcons are going to run it with Dijon. And I ultimately look at this game. I think the Falcons' defense—they're—I think one of the better defenses in the NFL this year. They've been playing very well. Um, the Falcons squeezing our Price Picks promo though. It basically comes down to who—who who do you like more, Bijan or Brian Robinson? And I think I'm going to have to go with Bijan here. Uh, so I'm just going to look at it like that. I'll take the Falcons minus two and a half, but I. Do agree. I'll take the under on a very slow paced game. Yes, I, I'm 100% in agreement there. I think I lost you there. Somehow you got muted. Can, can you I hear think. me? Can you hear me now? When that happened with that sound. So I apologize. Can you? Are you back on now? Can you hear me? I see you going on and off mute. Hold on one second. Let me make sure. All right. So a little bit of a snafu there, but hopefully not too much of a run in on the recording. Uh, But uh, really what we, I think both agreed on is the under uh, slow paced game. I like the Falcons minus two and a half. You said you, I think you went with, you're going with the Falcons minus two and a half as well, right? 100%. Okay. Uh, yep, by the I way, love that under as well. I got, yeah, I got hooked last week uh, in the Falcons Texans game. Uh, I took Houston plus one and a half and that game ended up being 21 to 19. So that was rough. Uh, that's as rough as it gets because there's so few of games that end in two points. I mean, wow, wow. I, I a lot of times when I do alt lines, the lines I'm picking are two and a half, yep. five and a half, or nine and a half. You know what I mean? Like I, I like, or even six and a half, I guess. But I never, <laughs> I would never like foresee that. You know what I mean? Such yep. an odd line. It really is. It really is. Although it, it helped making sure that that under hit because the under was 41 and a half as well. So Vegas had some spot on uh, spot on work there with that one. It's that insider info, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Saints and the Texans. Uh, we've got the uh, Texans uh, as plus one and a half home underdogs. 
and a 42 point uh total uh i feel like the saints had some injuries didn't they no maybe not nothing too crazy it was mild stuff yeah i'm really on the texas side either Man, the, I think Alvin Kamara could have a great game. Obviously, he's looking like a well-oiled machine in midseason form. Uh, Derek Carr seems like he's starting to get away from that injury, so he's going to continue to get healthier and healthier every week. Um, but C.J. Stroud looked really good, too. The Saints defense, I don't think, is as good as people think they are right now. Um this is this is a really tough game. But I'll take the Saints minus one and a half. Uh I think it's another kind of slugfest type of game. So I'll take the under on the 42 point total. I I agree with the under on that. Um God, I, I just <sighs> this is tough. And I can't believe I'm saying it. Because going into the year, I thought Houston would be a bottom three team, which maybe they still are. But uh, I actually think you got to take plus one and a half with Houston at home. They've just played a lot better um, and looked better than the Saints early on. The thing that's got me the most concerned here is if Houston can get anything going on the ground with Damian Pierce, because they haven't been able to so far. He's been one of the most disappointing players from a seasonal perspective so far this year. Um. But with that being said, the fact that they've been able to lean on Stroud and have success and stay in games so often this year without Damian Pierce doing anything, God, the second they can get him going, I really think we could see this become a really dynamic team. Um, I, I'm going to go Houston minus, or plus the one and a half at home, and I'm going to go under 42. Cool, cool. For me, it's just the big difference maker is um, I actually think Tank Dell missing is an issue for Stroud because he kind of used them as a, a nice safety valve to to move the chains. So I think that's where everything changes for Stroud, not having Dell out on the field here, um, just because those two have some pretty undeniable chemistry here so far. Um Let's go ahead and we'll move on to the Patriots and the Raiders. We've got a 41-point total, and the Raiders are minus three-point home favorites. I feel like they should be a bigger home dog given the amount of injuries the Patriots are facing, given how badly the Patriots have been playing, and the fact that Josh McDaniels knows all of Bill Belichick's bad secrets. Uh, So... I'm going to take the Raiders minus three. I think Devontae Adams can have a massive game here against uh, JC Jackson. He's got a lot of history against him and producing well. He's coming off of a slow game, so he's going to be low owned in DFS. I think he's the perfect DFS play. Uh, So Raiders minus three and uh, probably going to take the under on the 41 point total. The Raiders by no means look stellar probably only will uh, produce uh, offense through Devontae Adams in this game. So, uh, yeah, I'll I'll still take the under on the 41-point total. I'm with you on this one. Um, I just think the Raiders are a much better team than New England. Um, With Devontae Adams being such a beast, obviously, and I I can't believe you're not a believer in 
the Messiah, Jacoby Myers out there. God, what an animal. Um, <laughs> just, I think this team, yeah. And, and the Patriots coming off that just embarrassing loss to the Saints, 34 nothing. I'm leaning in heavy to uh, Raiders minus three here. And I agree with the under 41. This New England offense has been completely incompetent so far. And just a, a quick note on, on the Saints from a previous discussion. Pretty certain they are 5-0 and to the under in their games so far this year. They, there's, wow. they have not had a total go over 37 points yet this year. Yeah, they kind of it, – yeah, it's it certainly hasn't came easy for them either. Yeah, yeah. They, so uh, hopefully that rings true for our under prediction there. I agree. I agree. Eagles and the Jets. Uh, Eagles do have a few of those injuries here. They're minus six and a half uh, road favorites, and it's just a 40 and a half point over under. Um, Eagles have allowed some passing yards, but I have a hard time believing they're going to allow some passing yards to Zach Wilson. Uh, I'd feel a little nervous if they have that, if they had that half yard uh, passing yard prop uh, here out for them. Uh, so I no longer but, a gimme, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, but the Jets, the Jets defense is very good. And I think they have a clean bill of health as well. It looked a little soft, though, last week against the Broncos against the run. So I'd imagine the Eagles are going to want to run the ball. This is a tough total. Um, but I, I'm definitely going to take the Eagles minus six and a half point favorites. I just think they're the better team at this point and in much better shape overall. And I'll take the 40 and a half point total because maybe the Jets get a big player too and, you know, knock down 10 or 13 points in return. So over on the 40 and a half point total and Eagles minus six and a half points. This, this one's kind of crazy to me because I never thought we'd see a world where the Eagles are only six and a half point favorites against the Jets led by Zach Wilson. Um, None of that really makes any sense to me. This could scream trap game, but I, I'll tell you straight up, I'll be sprinkling money on New England or New England, Philadelphia minus six and a half here. Um, this line just doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I get it. No Jalen Carter. Um, the Jets have a strong run game and they should be able to lean into that with, you know, big men missing up front like that. And the Eagles pass defense has been weaker so far. Um, but I don't really see Zach Wilson exploiting that. So I, I lean Philly minus six and a half here. And I'm going to go with over 40 and a half as well. Um, I do think that I, I, I don't think Philly struggles to score. I don't think they struggle to score against anybody. I do see the jets being able to maybe score a few points on the ground here. Um, but man, fire up Zach Wilson props. I'm, I'm looking at unders on Zach Wilson. That's for sure. The jets have allowed the fourth most amount of rushing yards this season. The Eagles have allowed the, the second least amount of rushing yards season. And if the Jets can't run the ball, we certainly know they can't pass. Um, I just, I, I don't see a path to them covering or really even putting up any points. The point total is close, but I'm, I'll take the over. Um, but that's those are some rough stats here for that Jets defense that we think is so good. 
I am seeing Darius Slay is out as well, which I must have missed that before on our injury report. So that's interesting. I think we no, did hit on it. I just didn't yeah. really point it out much. Um, yeah, no Darius Slay, no Jalen Carter. I mean, Jalen Carter, it's he's a rotational piece that's absolutely elite for this team, but they're so deep at, on the defensive line that I don't feel like it's going to influence them such that's, as large of amount as I expected. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Is I just my thing is they have they have so many other players that just missing Jalen Carter and even Darius Slay at this point in his career is not the end of the world for them. They have so much across the board. Right. And and didn't they last week or the week before they got back James Bradbury, who they hadn't had for the first few games. So it's it's kind of like a, a even swap here, I guess, to a degree. Yeah, Nick Morrow's uh, been playing well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, f- fire up the Eagles minus six and a half here. It's it's really just the over under that's got me kind of stuck here. And uh, yeah, I, I'm still gonna go over forty and a half. Got the Cardinals and the Rams. This is another afternoon game. It's a forty nine point total. The Rams are minus seven point favorites. Um. This just feels like a Cooper Cup kind of traditional domination game to me. Uh, Cardinals, I think, are going to start to fizzle at this point, although Josh Dobbs, he's really been a nice spark here for them. Uh, The loss of James Conner is pretty significant, in my opinion. Everyone's talking about DeMarcado. I don't don't think he's that good, uh, personally. And I just don't think there's enough consistency in this offense in general to keep up with the Rams. And I think the Rams offense is going to show everyone that it can still compete now that Cooper Cup is is fully back here. So I mean, the Rams minus seven and the Rams defense has been pretty soft. So I could see the Cardinals certainly trying to pace a little bit. Uh, so give me the over on the 49 point total as well. Uh, you're you're. You're on the Keontae Ingram train, right? That he's the actual starter, not Demarcado. Yeah, but I don't, I don't like either of them. I don't like. I think even the take that, like, I understand there's a kind of a, a bias for both, but just even the notion in general that someone is going to be very productive outside of James yeah. Connor with that group is just I I can't buy into it. Yeah, this James Conner injury is devastating. I mean, so my, I talked before about how my betting ended up making it kind of a rough week um, last week, but the roughest part for me was my best ball teams because I have a league where I lost James Conner and Justin Jefferson. And I, uh, I, I have two best balls um, in the uh, best ball championship, that $300,000 grand prize. And both of them are in the top five percent. So that was that. That's pretty rough. I have James Conner both. both. Um, and and one of them I I did handcuff him though with Keontae Ingram, which is kind of funny to think about in best ball. Um, but we'll see what happens. I hope that he actually is the starter, which I, I do believe he is. Um, but going back to this game here, I, I think we got Rams. I think they're overinflated. Um. They only put up 14 points last week against the Eagles with both Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua in play. Um, 
And, and the Cardinals defense has been really good all year. And I feel like they continue to get kind of shit on. Um, so I, I lean Arizona plus seven. I think they hang with the Rams. Um, and I also lean heavy on the under like 49 points is, is stunning to me. I, I can't believe we're seeing 49 points here. Um, so, so put me all over the under on this one. You, you, so do you think the Cardinals defense can hold that Rams offense at bay? Cause I mean, we're talking about going from the Eagles and yeah, even though they only put up 14 points, it was cups first week back and he still was very productive. So now you go against a much softer Cardinals defense that still has a lot of injuries. You don't think the Rams can put up some points against that team? I think they can put up some, but I don't, I don't like seven points here you know what i mean like i i just think the cardinals can hang with them i just they play they play really well as a team i mean that's the only reason they've done so well because you look at the individuals and you're like i'm not sure how this team has won two games or have they won one one game but they've been in every game you know what i mean and it's like but then you just look they're a very cohesive unit so i have a lot of faith in them continuing um to surprise us, I guess. So I'm, I'm sticking to Arizona plus seven. The Rams have the third most favorable money line on the entire slate. You mean like they would be the third favorite in terms of like cost to bet the money line? Heaviest favorite. Yeah, like the Dolphins. The Dolphins are minus 1,100. Oh, my God. A minus 1,100 money line uh, pick, which is out. That is outrageous. That is um, outrageous. Uh, and then the 49ers are minus 520. And then it's the Rams at minus three. Oh, no, I guess you got the Bills and the Giants here as well. <laughs> that, which oh we haven't God, talked about. That's but the favorite. Oh yeah, minus God. 1350 for the Bills. That's terrible. Congrats for that Sunday night <clears throat> football game. Uh, but if I go back to the Rams, yeah, minus 325. So a kind of a sneakier, heavier lean towards the Rams uh, is what Vegas thinks. I'm keeping with my total, my my pick. All right. Agree <laughs> I, I, see, I see where you go. I see where you're going here. But uh, I, I just uh, I can see the Cardinals hold with them. The Lions and the Buccaneers, 42-point total. The Bucks are plus three-point home dogs. This is, I think, a tough game to figure out, but with the Buccaneers being at home, coming off of a bye, and the Lions being banged up, no Jameer Gibbs, it feels like a game that the Bucks, especially being home underdogs, plus three, uh, can certainly win. Chris Godwin's going to be healthier. I, I think Mike Evans is coming back, right? So, yeah, he's active. I got the Bucks plus three, and I do think that the Bucks defense has been relatively soft. So I think it'll be a competitive game, uh, and I think we could see some nice production out of the Lions. I could see Jamison Williams getting a nice uh, grab here. I don't know. Is he from Florida? That I do not know. I'll look this up because I think I feel like he's from the St. Williams. Where 
Where's Jameson Williams from, man? Well, that didn't that search did not help. <laughs> Thank Let's you. Look at college, college at the end. St. Louis, Missouri. So now he's not from Florida. Not even hmm. close. That's weird. Okay. Well, never mind. But uh, so no narrative there, but I do think that he's going to get worked in more and I could see him scoring a touchdown in this game. Uh, I like the Buccaneers to win the game, though. I think they'll be a little bit more functional coming off the bye. So Bucks plus three, and I'm going to go over on the 42 point total. I'm with you on the over um, 100%. I see both of these offenses putting up points here. I don't see Detroit. Detroit's had no issues putting up points so far this year. They've, they've looked elite on the ground and through the air. Um, I completely disagree, though, on the uh, the the Bucks plus three. Uh, Detroit last week was missing Amon Ross St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs. And they, I mean, I get it. It's Carolina. But, man, they absolutely destroyed them. And they're missing two of their best players. And, and Laporta got hurt in the game. Or did he get hurt in practice? He got hurt in know. practice. In practice, okay. Like yesterday. Oh, and that was the weirdest thing. He only ended up with three catches, two touchdowns, but just three catches, whatever. Yeah, yeah that was weird. That was that was weird. I don't know. Um, I just don't like the vibes with Laporta getting hurt on a Thursday. It just but Amon feels... back. Yeah, yeah. I And James, Jameson Williams, another week in this offense. Tampa Bay's defense is not good. David Montgomery, they do not need Jameer Gibbs. Like, honestly, I, I just think he's a nice complimentary piece. David Montgomery has been amazing for them. He's been Jamal Williams 2.0. So, I I just... He's better than Jamal Williams, in my opinion. And that, that's what I mean. Yeah, he, he's the upgrade. <laughs> he's the upgrade they didn't know they needed. Uh, I, Yeah, I just see Detroit putting them away here. I'm just concerned they're running him into the ground, man. Like, I think they have to scale back on him. And with Gibbs being out, they're going to have to kind of like force Craig Reynolds in there a little bit or something dumb like that. I don't know. It just feels like a game that they're not going to find cohesion. There's just been, it's been kind of negative throughout the week with the pop up news of Laporta. They're on the road. They're going up against a team coming off fresh, getting two weeks of film. So. For me, it's 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 a hard pass. I gotta go to the Bucks. Um, Agree to Giants, disagree on this one. Yeah, yeah. Giants and the Bills, forty-four point total. The Bills are <laughs> minus fifteen point favorites, and with Daniel Jones being out, Ira Taylor being in, I'm gonna go with the Giants plus fifteen. Oh no! Just because so gross. We've got Saquon back. Uh, we've got a different quarterback. Just do anyone different from Daniel Jones, and it's I thought just Saquon it, was questionable and and really up in the air still. I think it is questionable and up in there, so it's something we have to keep an eye on. But I'm pretty sure he's going to play, especially against the Bills. Feels like a game where he's coming back, and I think the Bills can give up some some points against him this year as well. Uh, so. Give me a good Saquon game. I don't know about them winning. I'm not, I don't think they're outright winning by any means. Oh, God. But I got them covering the plus 15. I got the under on the 44 point total. The Bills offense isn't completely right. 
Um, I think this is a potential get right game on Sunday night football, but something just tells me it's going to be a slower paced game. Uh, they're probably going to feed, feed James cook a little bit more in my opinion. So under on the 44 and giants plus 15. I, uh, the over under is tough. And honestly, this is tough all around because this spread is basically three scores. Um, I get that technically you can reach it into, but I mean, come on, two point conversion. Um, it, I still lean Buffalo minus 15. The Giants, especially if they don't have Saquon, they're just playing with backups all around. Um, and it's at home for Buffalo. I get they haven't looked right. They've lost the Jets and the Jags, which is, ugh. but this this is a get right game right here. And I could see them getting out to a 28-plus point lead. I could see them going up 31 nothing by the midway through the third quarter and then just sitting on the ball. I could see all their backups coming in, and then they just run the ball, try to expire the clock, and the Giants end up putting up three points in the game. So I lean under 44 and Buffalo minus 15. Perfect. And then the last one is the Cowboys and the Chargers on Monday Night Football, a 51 point total. The Chargers plus two and a half point home underdogs. Chargers defense is bad, but they're coming off of a bye week. The Cowboys have been certainly struggling. They looked rough last week, Um, but I think this could be a get right game here a little bit for Dak Prescott and CD lamb against this chargers defense. And you, you got You've got to think that the chargers are going to attempt to do something similar to what the 49ers did and just apply pressure early and often. So I could see like a nice, like Pollard screen or something like they overcommit and, neglect the screenplay Pollard, you know, goes for a big one. So like, I love the idea of like, you know, maybe if you're doing like one of these Sunday night, Monday night, two game slates, just stacking like Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, CD lamb, and then filling out your lineup from there or like a Monday, Thursday night slate or something like that. Um, so that's kind of what I'm thinking here. I'll take Dallas minus two and a half. Uh, despite the Chargers coming in from a fresh bye week, if anyone's going to screw it up, it's uh, and what's that chart? The Chargers head coach name, I forget his name already. Um, Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley, yeah, he's Dave's just, jackass. he's just, I don't know, man, he makes bad decisions all the time. He, he's a complete jackass and he's holding this elite team back. <laughs> he really is. It uh, is so frustrating watching him coach because he's so terrible at it. Yeah, I mean, Austin Eckler is supposed to be back in this game. That's, I think, it's going to be a tight one. Um, I like that 51-point total, uh, but I think the Cowboys' defense is better than it looked last week. So I'm going to still take the under because I think the Cowboys win this game. Uh, So give me Dallas minus 2.5 and and under on the 51-point total. I'm going the complete opposite on this, and not with any confidence. Um, this I am so excited for this game. As a huge Justin Herbert fan, you know I'll be repping the jersey on Monday. That's for sure. This is exciting. This is like the Monday night game that we have all deserved to see. Like finally, two good teams facing off in prime time, which I feel like we haven't had yet. 
It's the um, first game. I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. It's usually you and I are sitting here talking about, oh, which game are we probably not going to be fully attentive to? But realistically, we are fully attentive no matter who's playing, but not not enthralled. Um, yeah. This this one we're pumped for. And both of these, not both of these, the Chargers offense is elite. There's no doubt about it. I don't care who they're facing. I think Justin Herbert can get the job done as long as he keeps Keenan Allen healthy. Um, losing Mike Williams, it's very it's imperative for them to have Keenan Allen play, you know, all season long, which is not something that Keenan Allen's done in the past. However, let's remember there's no Trayvon Diggs in Dallas. I think we got Quentin Johnston, and I think he's hitting a deep ball here. They're coming out of the bye week. I just this seems to me like a Quentin Johnston 70 yard touchdown. And I love it. I think I'll be building a ladder for him because I bet his player prop lines at like 22 yards because he hasn't done anything. So this would be the perfect opportunity to ladder his yardage because this just seems like an opportunity for him to beat the the Dallas corner over the top and just take it to the house. Um, I, I like that the Chargers are at home and our dogs. If this was in Dallas, I would I would go with Dallas here, but it's not. So I'm going to sit here and go L.A. plus two and a half. I want them to win. I think they can win this. I mean, they clearly have the better quarterback. The question is, can their defense keep Dallas at bay? And, and I think the answer is truly no. So it's just whoever ends up scoring last. And I'm going to put my faith in, in Justin Herbert and the Chargers, and I'm going to go over 51. I, I really hope this is the shootout that we all deserve to see. I hope so too, especially on prime time. That would be uh, quite the treat to wrap up the week. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and move on. We'll just talk through for a few minutes. I'll give it to you here first on any player props that you like um, or just any kind of parlays, any kind of bets that you have lined up in general here. Want to see or give you the opportunity to share those here with us. Yeah, so... Um... I'm going to start with a uh, alt spread parlay um, for some games here. And we touched on them earlier. Th- this is what I'm calling the, uh, the major, the major favorites, all these lines down, throw them in a parlay, bet that slip before, uh, before this Browns line gets any worse. So we're doing San Francisco minus five and a half Miami minus six and a half. And we're adding over 31 and a half points in the Vikings and Bears game. That's going to be a plus 120 play. I'm really liking over, that one. Here. Over what? 31 and a half in the Vikings game. That is a, uh, what is that, like a 13 point difference from the actual spread in that Vikings game right now? Yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And then we, uh, we talked extensively about we we were all over San Fran and Miami with the double digit spread. So let's just take, take that line down, cut it in in half, and and go with it. Um, I really like that one. And then you know, any anybody listening knows that FanDuel likes to give you these same game parlay boosts where it's plus fifty percent boost. So the one that we're doing this time is uh, that Vikings Bears game we're right back on it if you can't tell i really think there's gonna be a lot of points in this one so we're going kj osborne 25 plus yards he should be able to hit that with ease tj hawkinson three plus catches 
DJ Moore, three plus catches, and DJ Moore, 40 plus yards. That's a plus 103 bet. Put that 50% boost on there. We got a plus 150 parlay. All right, I'm going to have to repeat that. Osborne, 25 plus yards. DJ Moore, three plus catches. DJ Moore, 40, 40 plus, yards. plus yards. Yeah, 40 plus yards. And TJ Hawkinson, three plus catches. And I don't even have a problem doing four plus catches for Hawkinson. I think that would improve the odds on this quite a bit. Um, but I more so wanted to get back to even or better odds just, just over that top so that you can then use that 50% parlay boost, SGP boost. Sure. Um, and then straight up, we're going straight up, no parlay. Calvin Ridley, over 62 and a half receiving yards. I really think he crushes the Colts this week. No uh, Zay Jones. To me, this just screams smash this play um, and, and maybe even add a touchdown to it. And that's a minus 114 bet. Perfect. All right. So I got some, I got some DFS plays here. Uh, and again, if you want any of our exclusive content, you can find everything that we're putting out over at fantasyguru.com. Uh, if you want any kind of help, or if you're looking for any kind of instruction going into this week's games, go ahead and hit me up in that discord. If you're a fantasy guru describe uh, subscriber, uh, happy to help out. Uh, as far as uh, this goes, uh, since this is posted publicly, I've got some stuff here, but I'm not giving out everything. Uh, but at quarterback, I think Matthew Stafford is a fine, cheap play on DraftKings at 6100 bucks. Uh, at running back, uh, we've got two value options, of course, in Chuba Hubbard at 4300 bucks and Deontay Foreman. Uh, Foreman is $4,400. You're going to pick one of those. I like Hubbard a little bit more just because he'll probably get some garbage time catch volume. <clears throat> and then at the wide receiver position, I'm going ahead and I'm locking in uh, Devontae Adams. So Devontae Adams, he is expected to be less than 10% owned, uh, $8,100. Uh, he is certainly expensive, uh, but again, I'd rather differentiate on those pricey players. That's just my my strategy, and I'll eat the inexpensive chalk. That's just the way I play my lineups, and that's how it always works for me. So I got Devontae Adams on the high end, and I got some some chalk running backs on the low end. Lastly, at tight end, uh, I think there's a value play still sitting out there. Uh, he's still pretty cheap. Tyler Conklin at $3,300 uh, against Philly here. Philly um, has given up some yards against the tight end here. So uh, go ahead and give me Conklin, who I think will be getting catching uh, several dump-offs throughout this game. All right, so there's some of your bets, your parlays, your DFS plays here for the show. I think that's about it. So before we head on out here, Derek, any closing remarks, anything else that you want to put on tape here going into this weekend? Hey, uh, just encouraging everybody to get out there and, and flip on some baseball. I don't, I don't know about you, Mark, but these uh, playoffs have been absolutely incredible. The big dogs getting torn down is, is something amazing to see. And 
I think it's funny all the the Dodgers fans bitching and trying to get the playoff format changed because of this. And I, I don't know if you saw anything about that, but uh, this has been great. This has been great baseball. It has. Baseball has been great. And that is what I have to do next is send you some money because you won our league. Hey. Uh, so I got to work on that here after we hop off. But appreciate everyone listening in to the All Pro Fantasy Football Podcast. Good luck in your week six betting, lineups, everything above. Peace out, y'all.